This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience live with myself, Adam Strong. Looking forward to today's conversations. And, um, you know, uh, for you guys that are listening into the podcast, we're obviously going to put the show notes below. And for you guys that are listening to us live, we'd love to have questions. We'd love to have engagement. Uh, we'd love to have, uh, hear what you guys have got, got to say about today's amazing conversations. I want to get straight into today because we have an amazing guest today. Her name is Morag Barat. And Morag, actually, I want to give uh, full quotes to um, a really good friend of ours, Alan Humkins. Now, Alan um, was part of also, uh, he also did a podcast show with us here on Game Changers Experience as well. He ran an amazing leadership challenge. It was ran for about 30 days. And Morag was part of, um, was one of the speakers as part of the challenge. And so we connected, obviously, me being British and her being British. We got on like a house like fire. And, you know, what I love about her is not only do I love her energy, um, but also she's extremely well positioned in what we're going to be talking about today, which is all about connections and relationships. So let me tell you a little bit about Morag. Now, Morag helps leaders achieve outstanding uh, results through the power of professional relationships. Uh, she's a keynote speaker. She's an executive coach. Uh, she's also a, um, was going to say, a best-selling author as well. She's got three best-selling books out. The, her latest one is called about uh, uh, you, me, we, why we all need a friend at work. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about her book today. She's also part of the Marshall Goldsmith um, Top 100 Coaches as well. Um, so what are we also, what are we going to be talking about today, ladies and gents? Well, we're going to be talking about the ally mindset. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you're not sure about that, stay tuned for that. We're also going to be talking a little bit about how we've how leaders can adapt their way of connecting with their team in more of a hybrid way of working, because obviously we're now transitioned into the digital world. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We're also going to be talking about some of the most common mistakes that leaders make when it comes to nurturing those relationships, right? And I'm also going to be talking a little bit about uh, with Morag around um, what I was going to say. Uh, we're going to also talk a little bit about um, the interview process as well. I'd like to talk to Morag a little bit about the retaining uh, and attracting of new colleagues and new talent into a business as well. Because I think that has also plays an important role in making sure that you've got the right chemistry and you set the right tonality when people come on board. So... <laughs> Without further ado, Morag, welcome to the show. Adam, happy Monday to you. It happens to be Monday right now. So whatever day you're listening to this, happy day that day happy. to whoever's listening absolutely. and watching. <laughs> but hello. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> By the way, I, I just want to kind of quote here and here. I love doing live shows and it's interesting. I'm in this log cabin, by the way, Morag, mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of the countryside. You'd absolutely love it. And while my view for, for you guys that are listening in, by the way, we've got the lake there. I'm surrounded by forest. And um, 
we just got here we've been around traveling for about a week or so but it's it's just amazing like being able to connect with nature i'm really into nature and energy and stuff as as you'll know and stuff but i, I wanted to kind of like set the tone and the environment here but uh great to have you on the show my pleasure shall i reciprocate i'm sitting in what would be a spare bedroom in colorado <laughs> But outside of my window, I can see what is a gorgeous, sunny Colorado day. So yin and yang, log cabin, spare bedroom. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know what, ladies and gents, for you guys, well, if, you, if you're based in Colorado, you'll know that it's, you know, it's nature all around anyway. So it makes no difference. It's all good. Listen, I'm, I'm super excited about today. Um, you know, it's interesting how we connected through Alan and he's such a great guy. I just wanted to quote him first. He's fantastic, and I love every opportunity I have to learn from him. His 30-day leadership challenge, go Google his name. It's worth doing because it helps us all to be really present in the moment and to elevate our leadership impact and reputation, and who wouldn't want a bit of that? Absolutely. Very cool. So, listen, um, I want to get into – we've got – you know, one of my very interesting – one of my interesting, um, I suppose, I, I really got interested in the, about the way that we're connecting with people, especially, you know, over the last couple of years where we've, you know, been using Zoom and Microsoft Teams and things like that. But it's interesting how, you know, how organizations and leaders are, are still getting it wrong with regards to connection, right? And, mm. you know, that th- they still feel either they're either disconnected, right, or they've had a really rough ride with, you know, losing some of their best talent in their business or whatever it might be. But how have you, how do you think that, you know, especially over the last um, couple of years and your latest book, what was the premise off the back of that? Was that based on the, what's happened over the last couple of years and what you've seen? Well, you've nailed it. So the new book is called You, Me, We, Why We All Need a Friend at Work and How to Show Up as One. And here's the thing, the research is clear, the last, uh, with all the technology at our fingertips, despite our ability to feel or should feel more connected, all of the research that I've done, all of the recent articles I've been reading is saying actually we're feeling disconnected and there is an epidemic of loneliness that is only increasing. And I was reading something from Gallup only recently that said uh, 20% of people have no one that they can call on in times of emergency. Uh, Better Up just said the same, 22% of employees say they have no friends at work. So for everybody listening here, if you've ever been told, you know, toughen up cupcake, it's not personal, it's just business. I'm calling BS on that because yes, when things are going well, okay, we can to some extent be successful independently. But the reality is life and work is a team sport. We are interdependent, especially when the proverbial hits the fan, whether it's a pandemic coming out of the blue or I miss a deadline for a project or maybe my computer goes down and I need somebody to step in. Who do you turn to in those times of extreme vulnerability where your career and reputation might be at risk? If you don't have at least one friend at work, well, call me, I'll be your friend. But that is the time that we need to be able to turn and rely on each other. And far too many of us don't have a go-to colleague. And too many of us are not thinking about, are we the go-to colleague? Mm. It's an interesting point. You know, it was one thing that came to my mind. Um, 
Now, I haven't worked in corporate. I'll be honest with you. I, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life, as you know, Morag. Mm-hmm. But I know that there's a lot of listeners here that have either still currently in professional jobs or are entrepreneurs running their own business. My, I, I suppose the biggest thing that I had that came to my mind was that does it also depend on the culture of the company? Because surely, you know, it's like, you know, if you join a new company, for example, and then you start getting used to, you know, there's a culture and embedded within that organization where, you know, there's a mentality or potential mentality that, you know, none of us are friends. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we're professionals, right? We're, this is our professional life and this is our personal life. And we try to separate them both. I'd mm-hmm. love to know what your thoughts are about this. And is it detrimental that that mentality is embraced within culture? Uh, heck yes. And a yes, no, maybe I'll, I'll hedge my bet. <laughs> In the introduction, I too am a professional British woman. Um, mm. professional British person and a professional, a person who's in the professional industry. And I mastered in the first 40 years of my career, uh, 40 years of my life, sorry, my career is not 40 years old yet, but certainly the first 40 <laughs> years of my life, that professional mask of I've got everything under control, um, I know what I'm doing, just give me the challenge, I'll go do it. How can I be a great executive coach and support the leaders I'm working with if they know that my life is a little rocky and, you know, I'm juggling balls and spinning plates like everybody else. But the reality is, if you've watched anything from Brene Brown, courage and vulnerability, it's the third element of, in fact, our ally mindset in the research that we've done. When we open and demonstrate those cracks, when we have the courage and vulnerability to say, you know what, Adam, I don't know the answer, but we'll work it out together. Or Adam, I've just dropped the ball. Can you help me? What do I do? If we don't have a connection, if we don't have a relationship Those things go under the carpet. I hope nobody notices and they get worse rather than better. So building relationships, showing vulnerability, bringing our human to work, this is the basis for success in business and life. And if you're not willing to do it, it's not open, you know, everything, but you've got to start looking for those opportunities to give and share so that we can lead with empathy and we can be there for each other, especially in the times of need. I'm a, I'm in agreement with you, but I'm also gonna I'm also gonna put a spanner in the works as I as I like to Go be controversial then. in these conversations. So, okay, I get your point. Now, interestingly enough, you're gonna get organisations or cultures or even leaders which are very what I call in it for themselves mentality. Very mm-hmm. egotistical. It's all about me. I'm the mm-hmm. winner, right? They want to be. They want to be on the pedestal. They want to be recognised, and they don't care about. It. I suppose it's kind of like, as we would call it in Britain, a dog eats dog mentality. If you mm-hmm. like, how does that then relate to the latest research that Gallup have done? What you're doing in your. Um, that you've done in your book and things like that. How is that? Is that, do you believe that there is a shift in that mentality? What's your thoughts about those, those leaders that are maybe still within those, that kind of what I call egotistical mindset type of cultures in organizations. I'd love to know what your thoughts are about that. Oh my gosh. So many thoughts. So 
there, Adam. <laughs> and again, it is. And it, the whole premise of you, me, we is that shift from me first to understanding your perspective, to find that intersection where we can be better together. And for those who are watching versus listening to the MP3, you'll see over my shoulder, there is a little roundel there. And that's the model, the relationship ecosystem that I discuss in my first book, the Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships. And in fact, the horizontal access on that is moving from me to we. Because when we have that me first dog eat dog environment, those relationships are invariably described as rivals. You know, when it suits me, I'm for you. Yay, go Adam, best thing since sliced bread. And when it doesn't, I'm against you and I'm pulling the rug out from under you. Or it's adversarial. We're just continually butting heads. And here's the thing is that in the long term, and we're seeing it now, when we have a predominantly selfish, me-first approach, then we're seeing increased turnover. And if you're in that sort of environment, if you're on a borderline toxic boss or a toxic culture, then call me, it's time to get out. Because none <laughs> of us thrive in that environment when we're always looking over our shoulder, wondering when the next salvo comes. However, in you, me, we, we're not just swinging the pendulum the other way to go, well, Adam, what do you need? And yes, yes, yes. I still need to start with me. What's my definition of success? How much am I willing to give so that we can look for that intersection? The goal here is not to become a doormat. It is to create an environment, a high trust, psychological safety that allows us to bring our authentic self to work, to do the best work together. If I go one step further, you were talking earlier about, well, friends, isn't that group hugs, lollipops? And there may be a delineation. This isn't necessarily that you come home to meet my mother, BFFs forever, let's go for a drink after work every single day. But right. again, in that moment of need, if you get laid off, made redundant, who are you going to call? Do you have somebody to call? When you make that mistake at work, who's got your back? When you're rallying around a new product, a new emerging market, maybe you're starting up a new office somewhere, who are you going to call? And whether you're part of a 10,000-person conglomerate or whether you are a solopreneur like you, your success is still dependent on others. Mm. And I'll give you one example of the power of this. We were invited to write a safety leadership program in the oil and gas industry. Mm -hmm. It is a stereotypical traditional control and command hierarchy. Do what I told you because I haven't told you to do it, you know? I, <laughs> I jump and you just go how high or you just start jumping. Right. But what they were finding was that, yes, the OSHA rules, that's not what our area of expertise is, they were still having far too many injuries in their sites, and many of these are in remote locations. So we looked at this problem. We spoke to the leaders. Many of these employees are not actually employees of our client. They are contractors that are coming on site to do some work and leave. So you don't even have a carrot or stick of do what I tell you or I'm going to fire you. Uh, and we put together a safety leadership program that was built on the premise of the power of the relationship. The more I know, like, and trust you, the more willing I am to hold you and myself accountable for following the safety rules, whether it's putting my goggles on, chocking the clock, you know, double hoot on the horn before I back the truck out. And yep. there was an 18% reduction in reportable injuries. We wow. had 
We had the emotion in those sessions as people told their story around why was safety important to them? Who were they going home to at the end of the day that if you make a mistake or I make a mistake, this is literally life and death. We literally saw tears from these engineers, men and women who are used to working in this environment, but it brought them closer together. Not only did the business results improve, but let's be clear, life results improved because the accidents went down. That is the power of having a friend at work, somebody who's got your back, who's going to call you before you make the mistake, whether that's presenting to the CEO or walking into a dangerous environment and tripping over and losing a limb. That's why it's so important. Some powerful stuff. Uh, I like that. And interesting enough, uh, we talk, we're talking about leaders right now. But also, do you feel like there also has to be some element of responsibility with the employee, if you like? So let me give an example. Um, so if we take a, 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 a someone that's coming new into a business or an organization and they have had, say, I don't know, a bad experience, right? So their mentality is, is that, oh, okay, well, if I've had a bad experience with my previous employer, then I'm probably going to have a bad experience with this one. How important is it? I don't know. From your perspective, is it what can, I suppose, leaders do to make sure that the the uh, the tonality or the uh, from the very start that there is kind of an expectation that, you know, well, we kind of like all about inclusivity here. And then there's, then you've got to, I suppose you've got to kind of like build trust, but where, where, where is, where's the responsibility start and lie in terms of the employee? So we all own how we show up. And in fact, you, me, we, I talk about the Gallup 12 engagement questions. You mentioned them earlier in the conversation. These are 12 questions that if employees can say agree or strongly agree to them, research shows that revenue is like seven times uh, increased, intent to stay is increased. I mean, there's just lots of goodness to be gained. Well, I've always struggled with question 10. As has Gallup, they get pushed back all the time. Question 10 is, do I have a best friend at work? And they'll get pushed back from whatever industry saying that's too touchy-feely. You know, this is, as you said earlier on, a business. We don't have time for friendship. And yet they have shown that there is a clear correlation between, again, that question, let alone the other 11, and higher engagement and therefore success, whether it's individual or collective. The reason I hate that question, though, is that it is passive. It allows me to do exactly what you've just described. No, I don't have a best friend at work because Adam was mean to me at lunchtime yesterday. I don't have a best friend at work because Adam got promoted and I should have done. I don't have a best friend at work because the money for my project went to another team. It is passive, it is reactive, it keeps me trapped. Instead, in you, me, we, why we all need a friend at work and how to show up as one, we are empowering everybody to go first. Because in order to have a friend, in order to have an ally, you need to be a friend and be an ally. And so the question we should be asking ourselves is, am I a friend at work? And then the look up, show up, step up are the steps for how do we affect change, especially if we've been burned in the past? Because this isn't about blind trust. 
It is about setting clear expectations of, I'm sorry you had that experience in the last company, Adam. Here's what you can expect from me as your new boss or me as your new team colleague. And here's what success looks like. Here's what candor looks like. Here's what you can expect. And resetting and recalibrating the relationship. And too many of us don't take ownership for that or doing that with new hires or as a new hire. Good points there. I love it. Some very good stuff. And for you guys that are listening in live, by the way, um, what's going to say to you, if you have any comments or questions, please use the comments in the comment section box. I know we're streaming over here on YouTube and on LinkedIn live. So please don't be shy. We are, we are human, of course. We love to have, uh, you, you know, great interaction and engagement. And for you guys that are listening in, of course, we'll make sure that we have the links below so that if you have any questions or you want to reach out to Morag at the end, then you can connect with her on LinkedIn or any other social media channels if you choose to wish to do so as well. Very cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I know you kind of touched a little bit about, uh, about it, but talk a little bit about the ally mindset, which you mentioned in your book, mm-hmm. which is, I believe there, there are five different parts. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so five practices. And we call them practices because they require practice. I mean, I've written two books on this topic and my team, my significant other, I will admit that I am not perfect at these five. There are days where some come easier than others and there are some that I am naturally good at and others I need to invest care and attention in. So first off, before I even dive in, I have an invitation for anybody listening, is if you go to the URL skyteam.cloud, that's S-K-Y-E, team.cloud, forward slash game changer, you can take the Ally Mindset profile with my compliments, and you'll find your own strengths and opportunities for improvement. But the first one is abundance and generosity. This one comes naturally to me. I am hypened. My spidey sense is, how can I help others to be successful? It happened in the airport only last week. I was at Newark Airport. The gate changed. Everybody left. And there was a little old lady sitting next to the, the, the gate to go in. And I thought, she's not. She's like, she doesn't know where to go. There's nobody coming for her. Turns out she was a wheelchair passenger that had been dropped off. And she was from Germany, from Frankfurt. So I dusted off my uh, high school German and I got out Google Translate and we had a little conversation. And I made sure that she got to where we needed to be to catch that flight. That's abundance and generosity. How could I help her to be successful in an environment where, with all of the hubbub, she was probably going to get overlooked? But when we understand our definition of success when we're paying attention to, am I working on the right things to achieve my career goals? Then we get to who can help and who can hinder. That's where the relationship ecosystem and my first book, Cultivate, comes in. Because then it's connection and compassion. Are we building the relationship? So I know your story beyond just the job title. Am I tapping into the talents and helping you to achieve your career goals so that we can be successful together? And then that moves on to courage and vulnerability, asking for help and taking it when it's offered, admitting when we have a mistake, saying when we don't know and asking for guidance and mentoring. It's how we learn and grow. And if we don't have those three, we're never going to have candor and debate. I might be sitting here going, Adam, great, great conversation, but in my head going, oh my goodness, what the heck's going on here? That'll never work. That's a daft idea. Well, who does that serve? When the predictable surprise comes up and the project falls over, 
Instead, candor and debate is, can we have the right conversations at the right time to preempt and avoid mistakes or calamities? And then finally, action and accountability, because all of this, it's common sense, but it requires an uncommon discipline. We all know we should eat healthily, work out more. But if you're anything like me, the, it's easier to stay in bed than go and work out. You know what gyms are like in January. So action and accountability is the following through and holding ourselves and each other accountable for am I being the best version of me? Even if I'm surrounded by the toxic bosses we described earlier, am I resorting to re re responding in type or am I still elevating to the high road Am I trying to affect and recalibrate that relationship and ensuring that we can be better together? So there's a lot Very in cool. there. <laughs> there is a lot in there. So, guys, I hope, uh, by the way, you're getting some great golden nuggets here, some great value bombs. So if you haven't got your notebook and pen handy, make sure that you go back and rewind and listen to this because I can I can tell you now you're getting some great stuff. You really are. Um, I want to get into – it's interesting because – there's there's something which which I, I've got kind of on my I, I like to make sure that when when we're having these conversations to me I like to freestyle but in the other ways I also like to prepare as well you, you know it's kind of just how I do things I guess um, but I suppose the other thing that I wanted to ask you was all about like some of the most common mistakes when it comes to because you know you talked a lot about connection and relationships and things like that but what we really haven't really talked about much is is the nurturing part of stuff. Um, how do you take some, how do you, cause nurturing is extremely important. That's how you build trust mm -hmm. over time. Right. What okay. are you, what, from, from your perspective, what would you think as kind of like the most common mistakes that leaderships leaders make in particular, when it comes to the nurturing of the relationships over time, where they think that they're building trust or not building trust is obviously subjective, of course, but from your perspective, let's talk a little bit about some of those mistakes. So it's interesting because mistakes and nurturing could go hand in hand if we're paying attention. And that's why I talk about look up, show up, step up, because look up is all around how do I want others to feel in my presence? How do I feel in my presence? Because we have to be an ally for ourselves. And the trash talk that we have in our own head can be even more pointed and poisonous than the feedback we get from others. Agreed. The second piece then is show up. It's being intentional. So for me, do I need to be more energized today or less energized? Do I need to be more chatty or more reflective? And if we aren't being thoughtful as we go into every interaction, which many of us are not, that's the mistake we'd make. We just run from one Zoom to the next, one meeting to the next, one size fits all. And then we wonder why our messages aren't landing well. So being intentional, what do I, how do I need to show up in order to achieve the goals needed in this conversation? And then step up is literally, did I do my best? Was, not was I perfect, but did I do my best to count to three and listen before coming in and go, oh, Adam, I've got the answer to that. And so for leaders, it's intentionality and being present. And I'll give you a quick exercise that everybody can do right now to get them on the right road to being the best leader you can. First off, I want to think about you to think of colleague or colleagues that you would jump at the chance to work with again. You mentioned our earlier on, but for those listening, who are the colleagues or bosses that immediately come to mind and what was it about them that makes them special and memorable? So mm. our 
What was it about him that made him so memorable for you? From my perspective, I think that uh, I think his ideas and mm-hmm. his approach was very different. It wasn't very. It was very um, in with uh, in with the times. What I mean by that is like he taught in a way that was very kind of very in tune with the way the world is right now. That's what I loved about it. Very, I was relatable to that. Ooh, I love that word, relatable. And I've asked this question of thousands of leaders around the world. And invariably, when we look at the results of who are the memorable people, it isn't about how smart they were. It isn't what they did. It's the how they made you feel. So relatable. Um, it was practical suggestions. They coached me. They gave me feedback I needed to hear. They took a chance on me when nobody else would, whatever it is. So that's the look up and show up. It's an opportunity for you to say, well, of those things that we admire in others, how well am I doing against those and where do I need to turn the dial up or down? But here's the kicker that's going to allow everybody watching and listening to this to nurture that relationship. I dare you. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. I want (laughs) you now to send a text message, an email, a LinkedIn message, a message to the universe that says, hey, I'm listening to the Game Changer podcast. The guest, Morag Barrett of Skyteam, asked me to think of best colleagues and I thought of you and here's why. Now, there are going to be some people sitting out there going, oh, I can't possibly do that. Too touchy-feely. And that's their (laughs) wake-up call. Do it. Because what's the worst that happens? Nothing. Very true. But you've put positive deposit into that relationship. You've nurtured that relationship. You've rekindled that relationship. You've made somebody's day. And the messages that those leaders who've taken the challenge come back with give me goosebumps. So if you want to be the leader and the colleague that others want to work with, if you want to have an ally mindset, the first thing is to role model those things that you admire and find amazing and valuable in others. And if you can look up, how do I want to feel and others to feel in my presence? If you can choose and be intentional about how you show up and then actually follow through and do it, everything that you hope for in life and in business, I promise you, you are going to be taking strides towards realizing them. Love it. Some very good stuff there. Love that. Very cool. Um, I wanted to talk a little, because I know that we've also got quite a few people that are entrepreneurs and maybe are are kind of what I call smaller businesses. Um, You know, maybe they are solopreneurs, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a small team anyway, but it's always good to, you know, some of this, this stuff is really juicy. But I guess my question to you would be is, you know, for those guys that aspire to be bigger, uh, bigger companies, bigger businesses, you know, grow and, and, and scale to impact or whatever that looks like, even if it is managing contractors or whatever it might be, how do the principles that you're talking about, how can they use those same principles as a basis foundation for the future? How can, do you have any advice for those uh, types of people? Yes, because I've lived through it, the good, the bad and the ugly, because I have made those (laughs) mistakes. And when I have followed my own advice, I have seen the benefits. So when I first started Sky Team, I was that solopreneur. It was just me. And I was running fast and burning the candles at all ends. Until I realized actually my success was dependent on my family, giving me the grace and space to work the ridiculous number of hours, because this is the hardest I've ever worked. Sky Team is now 15 years old. 
corporate was easy by comparison. So first of all, <laughs> recognizing that you are not on your own. There are family and friends who are helping to support you. There are, as you say, subcontractors and contractors who are doing elements of your business. And if you're not demonstrating an ally mindset with them, then you run the risk of, well, why would they choose to work with you versus a competitor? Why would they choose to take this project and work the extra hour to give you a top class experience versus doing just enough? So the way I've done it is abundance and generosity. I ensure that I'm not just paying by the hour for those who work with me. I am trying to pay as generously as I can so that they will choose me and share in the success and the rewards as much as we are within Sky Team. I am sitting down at the beginning and asking regularly, what's one thing I can do to help you to be successful in the way that they're helping me to be successful? And if we can have the courage to ask the question, even if we can't live up to the request, just say thank you for the feedback. It gives us an opportunity to build that foundation of trust that ensures that you can grow a business that is scalable to whatever definition of success you have for your company or for your vision for your life. Love it. You know, it's interesting. It, I suppose one thing that kind of came to my mind when you were talking was it's also a good training ground you know, if you're practicing with, say, friends and family, like you've mentioned, it's a good training ground so that when later on down the line, when you do start to grow, you can, you've already got that knowledge in place, haven't you? Well, yeah. I mean, I, was, I spent this last weekend in a room of 50 thought leaders. I am a part of the Dr. Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches organization. And if you go and check out the 100 Coaches website, you'll see um, what I mean by thought leaders, these are gods and goddesses in my definition of in our industry, in industry, as thought leaders, as coaches, as leadership development experts, we, we spread the gamut. And when I first met them, I remember walking in going, but these people are so smart and so successful and so wonderful. And then there's me. <laughs> and interestingly, this weekend, there were some new members who were sharing with me that they had that same trash talk. And so I told them what I now tell myself is that we're all promoted to demigods. Um, and yes, there are tears. But here's the thing we're helping. The whole premise of 100 Coaches is abundance and generosity. How do we help amplify each other's messages to make the world a better place? And it is an antithesis to what you talked about earlier, where it's the dog eat dog. It's all about me. It's scarcity first and selfish Think about the possibilities if you had no fear because you know others were rooting for you. That is what I'm trying to help people create. And there are more than enough that I've seen who are willing to take those first steps and are reaping the benefits. And the naysayers and the skeptics and the doubt, get to them in due course. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, what I was going to say. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the relationship and what the, the the what you call the four underpinning um, relationship principles, questions. if you like, oh, yeah. questions, mm -hmm. if you like, yeah, exactly, yeah. and what they are. I, I'd love to kind of explore that a little bit more, if we could. 
Well, there are four questions that our research show that we are all asking consciously or subconsciously every time we meet somebody new. Um, the viewers of this episode are watching it about us and hopefully we've answered yes because they're still with us now. But question number one is table stakes. Can I count on you? Can I count on you to get your stuff done? Back to me on time so I can get my stuff done. Reactive. Question number two is, can I depend on you? This is where we move from reactive to proactive. Can I depend on you to go the extra mile? Hey, Adam, to spot the typo in the social media meme and to give feedback or to fix the spreadsheet. Whatever it is, can we depend on you to go the extra mile, to not just do enough, but to help us to be better together? And that was my banking career, 15 years of transactional relationships. You do your stuff, I'll do mine, and we'll be fine. But at the rate of change of industry with the pandemic, fine is not enough. We need to get to yes to questions three and four. So question three is, do I care about you? And not in a group hug, trust, fall sort of way. It's do I care about you as a human being? And think about the pandemic. The mistake that many leaders made was they grabbed their bags, their metaphorical leadership management bags, evacuated the office, they went to the kitchen table or the spare bedroom and carried on doing things exactly the way they had, but just through the camera. And recent articles have said, and my own research again, in the last two weeks, leaders are saying no one has called to see how I'm doing. They only call me to see what I'm doing. What I'm doing. Mm. So if you want to elevate question three and at the same time demonstrate connection and compassion, take two minutes at the beginning of your next Zoom call to ask Ripples and joys, what's something you're proud of achieving and what's made you laugh? Take a moment to say, show me something on your desk that might be unexpected and have a conversation about it and then get down to business. So do I care about you? And then question number four is, do I trust you? And here's the irony of do I trust you? Now that we're back to flying a little bit, for example, and before the pandemic, most people, if you've gone on vacation, you may have been on a plane. We get on that plane, we get in our seat, we've got no idea if the pilot's male or female, we know nothing, we never see them perhaps, and yet we give implicit trust that they're going to get us to our destination safe and on time and with some com uh, comfort. If you can do that for a stranger, why is it that we withhold trust from our colleagues, the people who can make or break our careers every single day? And that's the power of these relationships. Do I care about you? Do I trust you? Are the transformational relationship questions that if you can get to yes to those, you will be in an ally relationship. You will have people you can call on in emergency. You will be having more fun at work and in life. Love it. Love it. Guys, I hope that you're getting some really juicy stuff because I am. I'm making a whole batch of notes just for just for, for some, some great leadership principles. There's some great stuff going on here. There really is. Um, I was going to say, the other thing you mentioned actually during the conversation, which is, which is a really valid point here, um, which is you mentioned about loneliness. Now, being an entrepreneur, being a solopreneur for some of our listeners here that mm -hmm. and maybe we're used to that, right? It's that... that we're used to that mindset. It's like, but I guess my point, bit, my, my point of the question would be is you've talked a lot about connection. You've talked about the importance of relationships and, but you've also talked a little bit about how 
the increase in loneliness has, has exacerbated over the last couple of years and, and also is continuing to do so depending mm-hmm. on which country you are in the world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, what advice do you have for leaders that can – well, leaders that run their own businesses but also leaders that have maybe small teams of people that, that you mentioned uh, just a Ripple second ago. Yeah. Yeah. Ripples, which I absolutely love, by the way, because it's, it's a bit like an icebreaker. Yeah, It's an icebreaking, isn't it? It's, that's a great way of just starting an ice, you know, break the ice before we kind of get down to business, right, down to the nitty-gritty. Um, I like that. I think that's fantastic. But uh, is there anything that, that you would advise with regards to helping people to, you know, maybe they're going through some – I don't know if you've ever got into a conversation, I'm sure you have, where you've – got into a conversation with someone and you knew that something wasn't quite right. Like every, something fell off, whether it be your intuition, whether it be your energy. It's like, I really need to know that something, something, something isn't quite right. Maybe they're not ready to tell me. I don't know. But how do you kind of like help, you know, help people open up a little bit more? How about just ask that question? Which is, hey, Adam, you don't seem yourself today. Anything I can do to help? And here's the thing, when we pretend that we have to or we feel like we have to keep the professional mask all the time, it can become an even bigger burden. I mean, my colleague Eric Spencer, he talks about his depression. And in You, Me, We, there's a section where he reveals where he told uh, Ruby and I for the first time. And, of course, mental health has all sorts of stigma associated from it in the past. And he was so worried that we were going to reject him, that he might get fired. And in fact, it was quite the opposite. It was an embracing of him and supporting of him, such that he now talks about that depression journey openly on social media, on LinkedIn and Facebook, and has created ripple effects for other leaders who felt like they could not ask for help and now feel like they can. So it's creating the opportunities. It's like asking for what's the one thing I can do to help you to be more successful? What's working, what's not? The first few times you might get crickets or nothing. Or in Morag's answer was, oh, it's fine. Don't mention it. But if you keep asking over time, then I will learn that you mean it. Then I will start to get the trust that maybe I might possibly next time you ask, actually tell you what's really going on for you and go from there. I'll give you another quick example. I uh, often use um, Mentimeter or whatever other tool or type in the chat, what emotions have you or your friends at work experienced in the last two weeks? And you'll get, you just do that with your team and you'll see it all open up and it'll be everything. And I see stress and anxiety and worry and frustration and invariably it takes a while for joy and happiness. You don't even have to discuss the words if you're not ready to do so. But what I've heard from leaders is seeing stress and anxiety and other people writing it, now it means it's not just me. I'm not broken. It just is. And as we start to make it legitimate for us to have these conversations around how we work, then we can reset rules around what we're going to do in order to make working virtually or in a hybrid world more effective for everybody. And again, who's going to win? We all are. Love that. Very cool. Listen, I'm conscious of time. 
but we're flying through like i mean this conversation is just it's great it's free-flowing we're having lo- we're having a ball of fun well i certainly am i don't know about you more are you having a ball of fun oh yeah you can tell from the grin i am energized <laughs> um well listen i know that you've been doing this for you know i mean your research and you know working you know in what you've been doing for the last 15 years you know um, you've got an extensive knowledge to, to to and you've you've done some great stuff here what is the the next step to your legacy what is it that you where is it you're going towards if you don't mind me asking well, so the legacy is giving. So before this podcast, I was literally on a, a small group of business entrepreneurs where we're coaching and mentoring each other and sharing our secrets to help us again all be successful. There is more than enough work out there. You don't need to keep your secret recipe hidden. I tr- Trust me, the abundance and generosity pays off every single time. And my goal is to take that message of you, me, we – out into the world and help to transform teams and organizational cultures in a way where we can all thrive and be better together. And I get goosebumps as I think about it. I am also as terrified as you can imagine uh, around a the the effort to do that, but what happens with the haters and the trolls and all. You know what? I've got to put that to one side because. One of the things that became clear through this weekend and the work with the 50 thought leaders I was with was that the world will be a better place if we share this message. And therefore, my fear of failure, my fear of being judged, my fear of whatever, my discomfort should not outweigh the potential to help one, a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, whatever leaders to achieve success and thrive in whatever it is that they're doing in their lives. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, listen, um, guys, I hope that you've enjoyed today's conversations with me and Morag. Um, if you want to connect with Morag, please do also connect with her. When you do reach out to her, mention the podcast, of course. We're going to put all the links below for you guys that are listening uh, to the recording of this. Uh, and also, she'd mentioned as well, uh, the was it was, was it a checklist? Uh, did you mention there, uh, Morag? I can't remember yeah, what you said. Sky Team. Yeah, it was skyteam.cloud forward slash game changer. Keep it easy. Yep. And that will take you straight to the Ally Mindset profile. You can also learn more at youmewebook.com. And also SkyTeam, S-K-Y-E, team.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn, all the usuals. And I promise if you message me on LinkedIn, it's me that replies. And I would love to give you tips and pointers to help you to accelerate your leadership impact and reputation. Awesome. So, guys, listen, I hope that you've enjoyed today's show. I certainly have. Make sure that you do connect with Morag. Also, share and tag this show. Uh, we'd love it if you could do that for us. That would be absolutely amazing. We want to impact this show. Uh, and we're already in 43 countries around the world. Uh, we want to get to uh, at least uh, half a century. So that would be amazing. If you can help us do that, that, that would be amazing. Morag, I just want to say thanks so much for being today's uh, guest on our today's show. My pleasure, Adam. Awesome. Hopefully, guys, so see you soon. And well, um, back onto the Game Changers experience. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Cheers now. <laughs>